No matter what age you are and where you're at in this whole process in life, whether you're a teenager in here this morning or you, your kids are long gone, I hope that you'll understand that wherever we're, what we're going to talk about today, you're going to be at some point along the way in this process. And for some of you, it's going to be hitting right where you're at. And I encourage you today, this is going to be a very practical poignant type of message where it comes at you uh, with some very specific elements of of life. And again, so here's the deal. You may file this away, but here's what I'm going to tell you. It's coming for all of you. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to be here for all of us. And we're the sandwich generation for those of us that are right here. This message that I'm doing today is something that I am absolutely have lived through and am living through and in the process of in my own life. So some of the things I want to share are coming straight from what I'm experiencing now or what I've just experienced over the last several years. But I hope you relate to some of the things that were there. Did you notice the robin in different seasons of life as the storms are raging outside as she is sitting there or he is sitting there on that nest? Did you realize that when the, when the kids came along and uh, those mouths just began to open immediately for the food? You get, did you, some of your parents are going, yeah, that's me every day at the dinner table. It's like uh, right, right here. Did you notice that the, the robin or the, the, the baby that cried the loudest got the worm? Did you guys relate? Did you go, I know who, which of my children that one is, right? You know which one that one is, all right? Did you, did you realize kind of as the adolescent birds are there, they started taking food from the mother and father before they even got settled into the nest? And I'm going, yeah, those are the teenage years, right? That those are there. And, and did you notice also when the robin was as, when the babies were bigger than the parent, all right? And they had those little awkward feathers. Again, those are the junior high years for sure, Okay. The awkwardness that sometimes is there. I'm going, my junior high students are in this room and you guys hate me now and I'm sorry. But then that last one leaves. And I'm so thankful this week I sent this to Kyle. He said, dude, this is not right to send this to a young father. I'm sitting here at my desk and I'm crying, you know, as a result of this. I'm going, well, perfect. That's exactly what I was going for, for the emotions of the moment. But the last bird leaves. And then the robin comes back. Did you see the confusion? It's like, whoa, I guess I don't need this worm. I'll eat it myself. You know, it's kind of one of those, one of those moments. So we feel all those emotions. As we think about this idea of ruling the roost, here's the thing I want us to, to think about. When do we stop being a parent? I brought this up to my life group a couple of weeks ago. And we, as we were thinking about this, when do we stop being a parent? We never stop being a parent, do we? Here's the other part of this that we're going to swing this. I'm going to swing both sides of the coin to you today. When do you stop being a child of your parents? You don't. You don't ever stop being a child of your parents. And you don't ever stop being a parent to your children. I will always be the son of Chet and Narita Miller. I will always be that. Jennifer reminds me daily. I try to tell her, my mother was a saintly woman. My wife, Jennifer, loved my mom. And I always remind her, babe, these are just the characteristics of my mom coming out in me. And she'll go, oh, no. No, you're nothing like your mother. And I loved your mother. No, she didn't say that. But she will say this. Chet pops out in the strangest of places. She does tell me that frequently that my father comes out at me at all these different points in time but I will always be the son of Chet Narita Miller that'll always be who I am 
And it'll always be who I am as I parent and as I look back and as I, I look forward to taking care of aging parents. And so we're going to talk about the sandwich generation today as well. Those of us that we are walking through this empty nest and we're also caring for aging parents. How many of you are caring for aging parents even if they're in the room? Would you raise your hand, all right? We have a lot of you. Oh, you guys are cowards is what you are. You are cowards, all right. But as we do that, we're going to talk through that. This is something that over just the last several years that I have gone through, and it's very fresh on my mind. And so as I do this, I just want us to talk about this stage of life and the seasons that we go through. I want to, I'm going to read this passage. Hopefully you don't hear the birds, uh, and not literally the birds, but the, the band, the birds, actually playing this song. You're wondering, where did this come from? Where did the lyrics of this song come from? It came straight from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. As we look at the seasons of life, but I want you to look at them in a little different view today. The view I want you to see it is this, as the life of a parent and as the life of you taking care of others beyond you. Because here's what I have to tell you. Whether you're living this right now or whether you're living this later, even my second row of of my middle school girls right here, you are one day going to be taking care of your parents. I hate to tell you that, but you are. You're, and you're going, great, I can't wait to turn the tables on my parents, right? But you're going to be taking care of your parents as they go through these stages of life that we're going to talk about today. And we sometimes feel sandwiched. And so as we conclude this message, I want us to think about this passage in terms of the seasons of your life as a parent and as a child. I want you to hear it this way. For everything, there's a season. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. You think, is there really a time to kill? Absolutely. There's a time in your life that you need to go out and you need to kill certain things in your life. Personally, you need to kill things outside of you. You may, certainly in this culture, it was going out and providing a feast and and something for your family. It's also speaking of things in the culture that need to die as well. Not other people. This is not advocating murder for you to go out and do this, but it's the idea that there's a time to put things to death. There's a time to allow things to heal up. There's a time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve, but also a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. Now, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. If you haven't gotten this picture already, this is the middle school, what I used to call the mother mile, middle school mile, okay? That's where parents are picking up their kids. There's a time to embrace, but middle school is not the age, okay? It's where the kids go, no, do not kiss me as I get out of the car, right? Matter of fact, could you drop me off about six blocks away from the school? Could you do that? All right? So there's a time to embrace. But there's a time in the child's, excuse me, in the child's life that you need to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to quit searching. As we've talked about discipline in the life, there's a time to go after your kids. And there's a time to let them go and experience some of the consequences that might happen from going. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away, all right? Jennifer is saying there's a time to go in your office and throw a bunch of stuff away, okay? I know that she's telling me that right now, but there's a time to keep things 
And the time, there's a time to get rid of it. There's, and I'm going to speak to that very specifically in this message. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. What? There are things that we should hate? Absolutely. I hate cancer. Amen? I've watched its devastation, and I hate it. I hate death. This week, I walked with another family as a 61-year-old friend of mine fell at his home and uh, was on blood thinners and had a closed head injury, and his family this week had to take him off life support. And I watched as he died and as his two adult sons and adult daughter agonized for those 30 minutes. I hate death. I hate what I see that it does to families. I hate it. So there's a time to hate things as well as a time to love, a time for war and a time for peace. So as you see yourself in your parenting and as you're caring for aging parents, here's what it says. What do people really get out of all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. And here's the beauty of this. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time you see every part of this life the good times and the bad times are all beautiful in their own way well how do i make sense of that well it goes on to help us understand so i concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can oh i skipped the part that i wanted to say it says he has planned eternity in the human heart but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. The reason you may not be able to see beauty right now out of your particular situation is you don't have the whole picture. You cannot see God's work in its scope from beginning to end as he does. And yet, he sees even the difficult things of our life to be beautiful things that he wants to use in us. So I concluded that there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these gifts are from God. I'm going to give you four very practical points, and each of them are going to have practical pieces in them. These are not four exhaustive ideas for you to do as you parent and go through the empty nest process, nor as you go through as children caring for aging parents. But as I have walked through this and am walking through parts of this personally, even now, I want to give you some very practical things. It's not an exhaustive list. There's lots of other things that you can be doing. But these things are straight from Scripture and things that we can be doing during this time of our life that in in many ways to finish well as parents. The first thing is this, is honor. The word honor both for your aging parents and for your children leaving the nest, is to honor them. Pastor Bart used this passage of Scripture just a couple of weeks earlier in this series, Deuteronomy 5, 16, which says this, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, and you will live a long, full life in the land that the Lord is giving you. The thing that we must do, as we walk into this and as we care for those who are older than us and we are in this sandwich generation where we're caring for both the young and for the old. So if you're between 40 and 60 right now, this is likely you're somewhere in this category or somewhere in this process. And if you're not in the ages between 40 and 60, 
you're going to be. Okay, so listen to this. File it away for when you need it. But you need to bring honor to those who have gone before you. Here's what the word honor literally means. It means to bring reverence to, but literally this, to celebrate them. And your children and your parents who are before you both need to be celebrated. What does this look like in our life? It means this, celebrate them while they are with you so that you can celebrate them when they are not. It means that you need to celebrate now in this process. In the process of working with my parents, again, my my mother passed away in 2009 after a year-long bout with cancer. My father passed away in 2012 after living three years without her and us going through continually failing health. And so as I watch that, here's some things that I learned not only from them, but being the youngest child in a family, also when my grandparents also lived with us a good part of of sometimes their lives, and my great-grandmother did as well, seeing a lot of these things and just observing them as a teenager teenager and growing into my 20s, these are some observations I want to make for you. First of all, it means this, listening and seeking to understand them. It means this, it means respecting them in understanding the losses that they are currently experiencing. When they are experiencing the loss of different things in their life, you need to to listen and be with them and walk with them through those moments. As my father lost my mother, who he always believed that he would go before she did, and yet these three years were agonizing, as a son, I needed to respect those losses. I saw it maybe more even in my grandmother. My grandmother was an incredible woman who cared for people. In her 80s, we would ask Granny what she did. She said, I take care of old people. I said, really? That's what you do? He goes, she she clean clothes, and also made meals for people, a man who was 85 when she was 81. She took care of old people into her late, late years of life. And I would ask her, because she was a woman who was probably one of the hardest working people I've ever seen. But Granny had control of her whole life. And then as she began to age, and as things began to move away from her, as her faculties and different things began to to cease, She needed people who would listen because here's what I discovered. Now, some of these things are very common sense, but honestly, until you've walked through them, you may not notice them. And it's this. When people begin who've controlled their lives, all their lives, begin to lose control of different things, here's what happens. They will over-control the very few things that they can control. All right? Some of you are shaking your head. You understand that process. They will over-control the very few things that they can control. Here's what it looked like for my grandmother. She had macular degeneration. She could no longer drive, but she had doctor's appointments she had to be taken to. So here's what she said. I want you to take me in my car. Now, that seemed ludicrous to me as a teenager, as I was about 20 when this happened. It seemed crazy to me that I would take Granny in her car to her car appointments. But what was she saying? This is mine. I don't have control over anything else. But what I do have is control over which vehicle I'm going to get in and go to these appointments. And I want you to take me in my car. She would over-control things like her wash. It was crazy to me, but she would literally take the clothes out of the rinse water, wring them out, and hang them up to dry, and use the rinse water to do the next load of laundry because she would just over-control the small things of life. And I watched her do that. But those who are aging need us to listen 
and to realize that they're going through these losses. The second thing we need to do with that is we need to practice empathy. We need to practice empathy. Here's the thing. I am realizing every Saturday morning when I meet with my men's group is that my eyesight is diminishing much more rapidly than I would like. And my arms are long, but they are not near long enough for me to read the the passage on on the page of my Bible at times. But here's the thing. All of us are going to go through this. Here's here's something I want you to realize. If you don't think you're aging, guess what? Let your children see you, and they will tell you how much you are aging, right? But we need to practice empathy because as senses are diminishing. There was a, an individual, there was a, a company that, uh, that kind of looked at this, and a representative of a company that was designing products for older people and looking at them from their perspective wanted to make a point to a group of hospital administrators. So he did this. He passed out dark glasses, earplugs, nose clips, and rubber gloves, and then directed them to put them on and then to look at little, little bitty tiny pills and attempt to sort them into a pillbox so that they would understand that as people are losing different uh, uh, senses in their life of what that looks like. So I've done that today. So underneath your chair are rubber. I'm just teasing. <laughs> We're not going to do it today. But listen, we need to practice empathy when people are going through these different stages of life because we're going to be there and we need to think about this. Another thing we can do with our aging parents, record their stories by writing them down or actually recording their voice. In just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing an assignment in my world religions class. I do it because uh, many religions are passed orally from generation to generation. So when I teach that, I have them go home to a family member, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, and to actually write down a family story that they may have heard at a reunion or or translate or transmit some story that they've heard so that they understand what this is like uh, and to transmit this for other people. One of the greatest things that I ever did as a junior in high school was to do an interview with my grandparents over the Great Depression. And I recorded that on this tape recorder. And it is the, it is the cherished item at all family reunions because my great-grandparents went through the Great Depression in the Dust Bowl in West Texas. And we have their story because I did this interview with them. I did it even more with my, my father because he and I went to uh, a funeral of uh, my best friend's father. And we had about a two-hour drive to go there and to get back. And I just took a digital recorder and I turned it on and laid it between the seats and began to ask my father to tell me all the stories of his childhood. Are these things that I already knew? Absolutely. But I wanted to hear them from him so that I would have them not only for me, but I would be able to pass some of those things down. I want you to think about recording these things and knowing what their voices, remembering what their voice is like and recording those stories because here's the deal. If you don't record them beyond you, it dies with you. So I want to encourage you to record those stories to go further down. But it's not only honoring them, but it also honors, it also means that we must honor our children as they're going through this time of life as well. Honoring and celebrating them as they go through this point of emptiness. Listen to Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Our kids are the next generation. 
our children are going to continue to fight this battle in this culture, should Jesus uh, tarry in his return, our children are going to be fighting these battles and continuing on if we see them and honor them and celebrate them for who they are, even as they approach and continue to move forward through the empty nest. What does that mean for them? It means that we also need to celebrate their milestones of life. What are some of those milestones? Well, obviously graduation, learning to drive the first time, but also getting jobs, doing the hard things. When they go through something that's difficult and they progress through it, it's celebrating them in those times. It's celebrating the milestones of life and affirming them as they take these significant steps. My father did this in a phenomenal way. And I want to encourage you. There's a book that is written by John Trent and Gary Smalley. So if you're looking for very practical ways that you can do this with young children, uh, children in their, in their teens, and also adult children, it's called The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And my father never read it, but he did this incredibly effectively in my life. I'll never forget because my dad was a custom home builder. The day that he told me, and I don't remember where I was, but I'll never forget the statement. When he said, Randy, I built homes in this life. You build homes in eternity. And that became my life purpose. My father gave me that blessing. And it was as if God himself, because I think it was God himself, saying it through my earthly father to affirm me for what I was doing. And you have incredible power, parents. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what age your children are. Into their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and as long as you're alive, you have the power to continue to bless your children and to fuel them on. And it's our choice whether we keep it to ourselves or whether we continue to give it away. Moms and dads, here's the problem. Because of issues in your own past, sometimes you don't give forward to to your kids because you didn't feel like you received it. Break the chain. Break the chain of those things in your life and continue to move forward and honor your children by blessing them into the future. So the first thing we do is we honor both our parents and we honor our children. The second thing, this seems a little weird, but you need to grieve. You need to grieve as this robin flies back to the nest and realizes, hey, this stage of my life is complete, but is my life over? Absolutely not. But we need to grieve the losses of life. If you don't grieve the losses of life that you've experienced it, or that you've experienced, you're guaranteed to pass on a lot of those burdens to your children. And sometimes you pass them on by not blessing them because you're struggling with not dealing with the grief of your life. How do I know this? We have a phenomenal ministry here at EVC. It's called Stephen Ministry. And we've had people who have trained to do this, but we have Stephen ministers available sometimes in a congregation that doesn't want to receive it. Why? Because we don't think we deal with grief. But every single one of us deal with grief. The issue is, do we deal with it in a positive manner that can promote us further into the future or in ways that's going to hold us back? You need to grieve the losses of your life. Whether it's a job or a child who leaves the nest or a husband or wife who dies or a child who is no longer with you, has walked away from you, you need to grieve these losses because if you don't, it will come out in the worst places when you least expect it if you don't grieve in a healthy manner ecclesiastes 3 4 says a time to cry 
and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. There is time for all of it, but sometimes we only want to do the laughing and the dancing. If we don't do the grief well, it will come out in the worst places. With both your children and your parents, here's the the point. Your relationships are changing. And that's painful. And you and I need to acknowledge that it's sometimes painful. It's painful sometimes in funny ways as well. I love my mother-in-law and father-in-law and and love to experience uh, time with them. But my father-in-law is really kind of experiencing this right now as well. And he's in this service, so he's going to get very, very uncomfortable today. So, um... So as he, uh, as he does this, he, he, my only grandparents that, uh, that my children know uh, are his mother and father. They're the only ones that are still living. And he calls them on a daily basis. And about two to three weeks ago, he was getting ready to call them. So he picked up the phone and he started to dial and he put it to his ear and there was no dial tone whatsoever. And he looked at it again and he punched it through and he, there's no dial tone. He starts to get angry with the phone with the, and he realizes it's not the phone. It's the remote control, all right? <laughs> that he is hunting up and dialing and put his to his ear. Yes, we need to grieve the losses that are taking place in our lives. He's also, uh, he directs the Birdville Athletic Facility, which is the football field for all the Birdville schools. And so, remember, this is a man who was an uh, educator, he was also a cop. And he was also a coach. So there's lots of over-control issues that he might be dealing with. Amen? In all those, in all those areas. So as he's doing this, at the athletic facility, there's an elevator that sometimes gets stuck. And a couple, this last week, he got stuck on the elevator by himself. Fortunately, he had his remote control. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I said, you want to know why you got stuck? I said, those big buttons weren't a cell phone, Okay. You can't punch those buttons. But here's the truth. We need to grieve these losses in our lives. Sometimes it's the loss of our own faculties and the different things that we experience. But we need to walk through the grief that we experience. But here's the beauty of that grief. We need to allow the grief in our life to be a reminder of all the ways that God has been good to us. Amen? How can that happen? Well, you see, when we walk through grief, we begin to think about all the things that we have lost, maybe in a loved one, but think of all the beauty that comes to mind with what they have placed in our lives as well. Listen to what this verse says in Lamentations 3. Jeremiah writes this, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease, and great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning, and I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. When we walk through grief and we deal with it in a positive manner, looking at our own losses, understanding the losses of time and that our kids are moving on and they'll make, start making decisions without us. As we begin to process through that, what we learn is God is our inheritance. I still have hope. I still have a reason to continue forward and to continue living. What it means is this. Sometimes when we grieve that, that fishing trip that we may have always taken, that yearly fishing trip or yearly shopping trip or or hunting trip that we used to go with parents or kids, we realize we need to make new traditions and carry them on with grandchildren, with great-grandchildren, and continue to live those things out. 
The third thing I want to encourage you to do is this. The word is prepare. Prepare. We need to prepare for these times that are coming. Whether it's our kids leaving the nest, or it's dealing with those who are beyond us, or it's dealing with our own aging. So the things I'm getting ready to give you are very specific. They may step on a few toes, but here's what I'm going to say to you. These are things that are incredibly practical that, quite honestly, we know to do them, but we haven't done them. I would guarantee you almost in this congregation that 80% of the things I'm getting ready to tell you, you've thought about, but you haven't done. Okay? This is like flossing of the teeth. How many teeth do you should you floss? Only the ones that you want to keep, right? All right, so... This is going to be a little painful for some of us, but I think we need to look at it. We need to prepare. Philippians 3 says this, verses 13 and 14. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God called through Christ Jesus that he is calling us. When you reach this time of the empty nest, here are some things that we need to do. The first one is this. We need to reaffirm your calling. Reaffirm your calling. When the robin came and she realized, okay, all the kids are gone. What do I do? This is it. Eat the worm and sit here on this nest and die. No, she flew off into what was her next step or his next step into their journey. So what does that mean for us? We need to reaffirm what we were called to do and to be. And that moves beyond our parents and it moves beyond what we do as a parent. You have other things that God wants you to do or else you would not be taking breath from this life. You need to continue to reaffirm that calling. Your purpose stays the same. It's to glorify God. But your individual calling is as unique as every person that's in here. What does God still have for you to do? What are the next steps that he wants you to take? The second thing you need to do is you need to reconnect with your spouse if you're married. You need to reconnect with that spouse. Now, what that means is so often when you get to the empty nest, there's all kinds, the the numbers are are astronomical when we think about divorce after the empty nest because why? We've lived for our kids for 20 years and you wake up next to this person and go, who the heck are you, right? Because our kids, we've lived for them, but here's what needs to happen. You need to reconnect with your spouse. It's been hilarious as I watch couples go through retirement. I used uh, Jerry and Liz as an example of this. I have noticed that as Jerry retired, he plays a lot more golf. And it's not just to play golf. It might be to get out of the house, okay? And it might be that Liz says, Jerry, you need to go play golf, all right? But you see, we need to reconnect with our spouses during this time and age of life because... There is new things that God wants to accomplish in us and through us, but it means that we need to spend more time getting to know them. Because now we've lived our lives uh, around our kids, and now we need to reconnect. Now, what I hope for those of you that are still in this process, that you'll realize you need to be continually connecting with your spouse through your children rearing years so that you don't have to go through this stark realization of reconnecting when they go through the empty nest. Or when you experience the emptiness. Now, but some of you aren't married. What does it mean for you? You need to reconnect with friends. And you need to reconnect with the person God has made you to be. This was brought back to my attention this week as I was talking with a good friend who was single. And I remember saying to her, listen, don't ever let anyone convince you that you are not whole in and of yourself. 
Having a spouse or having a significant other does not complete you. You are complete in and of what God has for you as an individual. Spouses don't complete us. God completes us. All spouses are able to do is to continue to reinforce the things that God has for us as we walk together in relationships. But we are complete as individuals. And for those of you that are single today, as you walk through the empty nest or as you go to deal with aging parents, you need to continue to connect with who it is that God has made you to be. I'll never forget, just weeks after both parents had gone, somebody said something to me, and I said, you know, I just feel like a ship without a rudder. Because Jennifer and I have made the habit in our lives of seeking counsel from parents all through our child-rearing years and financial years and all these other things. We seek counsel from our parents. And I would often do that and would bounce things off my mother and father who were godly people. And I made that statement, I feel like a ship without a rudder. But then I discovered everything that I was that they would say to me was now what? It was actually ingrained in me. I just had to listen for the voice of that rudder. It had not moved. It had not changed. It just wasn't as vocal in my ears as much. I just had to seek it out to hear it more. So I encourage you to think about that, to to understand that. Listen, Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. As we think about giving things on to our kids, think about this. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will teach them to the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children who are not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children so that each generation should what? Set its hope anew in God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. What you and I are called by God to do is to prepare ourselves, not only to care for our older generation, but to prepare ourselves for the future generation. Now, these things I'm about to give you are very, very practical. I'll ask you to write them down and to think about them and think, have I actually done that? The first one is this, get rid of your stuff. If you want to prepare yourself for what it's like as parents who may die, I need you to think about getting rid of your stuff now while you're still living. Now, that is physical stuff, but it's also relational stuff. If you don't work through your issues and your baggage, here's what you have. You are guaranteed them to pass your baggage onto your children and onto your grandchildren because you've chosen not to deal with your stuff. But this is also in a very physical sense. Over the last three years of my life, my brother and sister and I have literally spent months dealing with all the stuff of my parents. I did both of my parents' funeral funerals, and I looked out at very much a silver, white-haired congregations, and I boldly said, because I didn't live there anymore, and what were they going to do, you know? <laughs> I was doing a funeral of my own parents. What are you going to say to me, right? I said, listen, I see lots of silver and gray-haired folks in this room, and I'm asking you, get rid of your stuff so that we don't have to. But that's a very practical thing. But I am telling you, if you've ever walked through dealing with all the things of the collective of someone's life, 
it is a difficult task. And I'm talking to an audience today that can make a difference and can change a pattern. And you can do that if you'll begin to give things away and not accumulate things always for the future of things that their kids are never going to use. And if you have things that are significant that you want to give to children, express that to them. That's a wonderful thing. I've seen so many families that have been torn apart because they are taking this or not taking this, and it becomes such a difficult thing. I would just ask you, you can make choices, and you can get rid of some of those things and give them away now. Another thing, have insurance. And you're going, really? You're going to say that? Absolutely. I've walked through it. I've seen when people have had it. I've walked with families when they didn't. And they come to this issue of a funeral and last uh, end-of-life expenses, and it's a terribly difficult thing, and you can make a difference. You can have term life insurance so that you can at least cover your family's expenses as you go through this time of your life. You can have a will or a, a trust that you can make decisions for yourself. We live in a state that if you don't understand, if you don't write down where you want your assets and things to go, this state will make those decisions for you. You need to have a will or a living trust. You need to do that. And yet it's just like flossing. We go, yeah, I'll do that someday. No, you need to do that today or tomorrow or Tuesday, okay? You need to do that in the next few days. Why? Because you're thinking about it, and it makes such a difference. One of the most beautiful expressions that I've ever seen happen about this time last year as a dear friend of mine Uh, His father passed away, and I knew his father very well uh, as well. And I went to their service, and they told the story of how their father had written out his funeral service, who he wanted to do it, the songs he wanted sung, where all the insurance policies were and everything, and he left it in a letter all lined out for his family for them to walk through one stage after another. I cannot tell you the number of times I've walked with someone and when they are walking through the most emotional time of their life, they're having to go through the most minuscule details. And you can choose today for that not to be your family, if you will. That is the most beautiful gift, I think, that I've ever seen somebody give. And that is, here's what I want done. Jennifer and I have already said, we want to be cremated. We want, we want simplicity. We've said, Jennifer has said, I don't want anybody. She goes, I will come back and haunt you if it is. She said, I don't want anybody looking, going past my body, seeing and going, oh, doesn't she look good? She goes, no, they don't look good. I look dead, all right? That is what, I do not want that. I will haunt you if that. So we've, they, we've made that decision, you know? We're going to cre- be cremated. We're going to get a big party together. We're going to have a fajita buffet. That is what we are doing. <laughs> Okay, we have already set it out there because we've told our kids, listen, this is what we want. We want you to celebrate who we are while we're living and while we're dead. But here's the deal. We don't want you to go through these things. We want to plan them out so that you don't have to be making these decisions. I'll never forget it. As a teenager, when my grandfather died, walking with my grandmother in the funeral home, and they said, oh, I think he would want this particular casket. And it had, because he was a... a custom harvester they had a casket that had wheat behind the glass and they said this is the one papa would want papa didn't care right 
And here's what I'm telling you today. You can make those decisions so that your family doesn't go through those type of emotional decisions at that time. Amen? Will you do it? Okay, all right. There's a few of you that will, and I hope that you will. The greatest gift I think you could give. Planning those things out. All right, prepare. The final thing is this, and I want to encourage you. Pray. Honor your family. Prepare for what's coming. Grieve your own losses, but pray. My father struggled those last three years of his life. He had lost my mom. She truly was a light to our family. He thought he would always go first, but he did not. And I remember a particular time after I would share, I would call him every day. Usually it was around the same time of the day. Jennifer, Allison, and Kara got great joy at me yelling at the, through the phone so he could hear me. And they said, you know, they just thought it was the most hilarious, the things, the things that I would say to him that I would have to yell in order to get him to hear me. But as I walked through those times, he was really struggling for his own purpose in life. My favorite movie was The Shawshank Redemption. And it has this line in it, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. And I have the card that I wrote those words to my dad. Dad, I need you to finish well. And Dad, I don't know all the things. I know that you're frustrated with all the things you can't do. But Dad, what you can do is you can pray for me and my family, for my girls, for Dennis, my brother, and his girls, for Melinda and her kids. You can pray into the future generations. And I gave him three books. And as I went through his stuff when he passed away, he had been reading all those books. My father, for the last year of his life, prayed over my family and over future generations of our family. And we today reap the benefits of those prayers. You can pray for your kids leaving the empty nest. You can pray for your aging parents. You can affect generations down the line by praying. And guess what we're going to be doing in this next series? We're going to be teaching you how to pray. So this last point is simply this. You can affect heaven and earth through your prayers. If you just want one pray, one prayer to pray for your family, for your parents and for your kids, I love this one. It comes from 2 Thessalonians Chapter 1, verse 11, it says this. You can just pray this out over your family. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a worthy life of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. That is a phenomenal prayer to pray for your kids and for your aging parents that God would give you everything that makes your life a wor worthy of Him and that He can give you all the things that you can accomplish through His will that He wants you to do. My hope today is that as you honor your, your kids that are aging or that are, that are leaving the nest and your parents, that you, uh, that you grieve your losses, that you prepare for your future, and that you also pray into that next generation. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I just come to you and I ask you today that you would just allow us to live a life that is worthy of you. God, I ask you that you would allow us to affect 
the future generations of life and the future generations of our families that we can make a difference and that we can make choices today that will impact their immediate lives and the lives of their future as they walk through difficult times. And Lord, I pray for those that don't have a relationship with you today. Lord, they may not know this peace that I'm talking about, but Lord, they can. I pray that you would give us the opportunity to continue to grow in you and to live in you. And Father, that we might be obedient to everything that you've called us to do and to be. Father, I pray that you would be glorified in our lives as parents and as children today. In Jesus' name, amen.